Hi, I'm Amy. And I'm Kim. And this is Farm Bet Journal Club. Hi, Amy. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How's your week been? Um, busy, but I had a day off, which is always very lovely. Oh, nice. I have got a paper for you today. Oh, amazing. Please and come on. It is not about dairy cows. I we don't think not... I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going to be learning about digit amputations in small ruminants by James Patrick Crilly, Beth Riley and Phil Scott. Oh, cool. Have you done any? Um, I have x-rayed a few uh, sheep's feet but I've never actually done the uh, amputation myself. Okay. It's such a common procedure in cattle as like a salvage procedure. Yeah. There is so little out there on what to do with sheep. Okay. And would it just be the like treating them like a small cow or is that not quite right? Um, nearly. There are a few similarities. There's a few differences, which I'll go into in the paper. They basically say in this paper that this review is kind of um from the author's own experiences rather than like you were saying there's not a lot of literature out there yeah so it's the author's own opinions on the surgery and how they've done it and it's very much their opinion as opposed to um peer-reviewed information okay but it's still interesting to see what they've done they've obviously done a few and found what works and what doesn't work exactly yes they've done more than me which is uh not difficult <laughs> So what's the biggest indication for a digit amp in small ruminants? So the biggest thing is a septic distal interphalangeal joint. Um, it's often from a penetrating wound, so it's always worth having a look to see if there is a wound there. And um, there are often cases that haven't responded to antibiotics and pain relief from the farmer. Um, so they, they say a bit in the paper about um, obviously some other differentials how would you differentiate between a septic dip joint and something else that might be going on so yeah what one really similarly presenting um differential diagnosis is a foot abscess which has ascended along the laminate and then burst out above the coronary band so the way you would differentiate between a septic dip joint and a foot abscess is that the septic dip joint is more painful and the discharging tract is, um, is, a, is more round, more circular. It's above the coronary band. And then you can always, you can also get areas of hair loss and alopecia around it. Mm -hmm. Also, the foot tends to be swollen above the, uh, the discharging tract. Whereas an mm -hmm. abscess, you get reduced swelling above that discharging tract. And what I thought was a really useful thing they did, and there's a great picture in the paper, is that with abscesses, you often get like a, horizontal slot at the top of the hoof where you can see the pus coming out yeah and like i said once an abscess is released it becomes a lot less painful so if you find that the as the pus is coming out the foot is becoming less painful you've more likely got an abscess which just needs pairing out and cleaning up yeah so i guess with that abscess as well you could um have a look at the white line and see if you can see where it originated there and and stuff and like try and help decide which it is that way as well exactly yes so like i said the main things we're looking for for a septic dip joint is extreme lameness 
swelling above the coronary band. You can pop, you sometimes get a discharging tract, you don't always, but you do get hair loss around that discharging tract and no improvement to systemic antibiotics. Interesting. And then the picture in the paper, it is very swollen, isn't it? Like a lot more swollen than I've seen with like abscesses before. Yeah, the whole foot is like a ball. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like they're pretty much non-weight bearing. Yeah, I would say a good uh, nine or ten out of ten lame. Yeah. Um, so once you've found that you do have a septic DIP joint and you decide to go, the only option at that point really is a digit amp. Is that exactly the same as cattle for like blocking it and stuff? Very, very similar. So you're either, the um, paper lists a load of different ways. You've got your IVRA, your local nerve block, blocks, your ring blocks, your high volume epidurals. Oh, do you remember the R-U-M-M or brachial plexus blocks? I vaguely remember it from my equine notes and my small yeah. notes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or you can just go for general anesthesia. Um, As you do. Yeah. The authors <laughs> in this paper have tend to have gone from an IVRA or um, like a ring block. I don't know about you, I like my IVRAs for my cattle toe amps. Yeah, I always try and do an IVRA first if that doesn't succeed, because like sometimes the the legs are too swollen to get a vein very well like very easily or what have you then I just do like an adapted equine block thing so I like block the front of the foot and then do like a PD block like you would in a horse and then it kind of just blocks that whole claw and it seems to work quite well actually but no I, I do like the IVRAs like that would be my preference yeah when they work yeah. yeah. Um, I have always used um, a bike inner tube for my I Turner case. Oh, yeah. Really, really good. Or bungee cords. Yeah, I use bungee cords. Because they yeah. say in this paper about padding it with something so that you get like the full kind of tight yeah. around it for the, I think that's for the back leg, wasn't it? Yeah, because of where the tendon lies. You can get mm-hmm. those little hollow bits. You can put a bit of cotton wool around it. Yeah. But anything just to make sure that blood stays in the foot so that local stays in the blood in the foot <laughs> yeah and they say as well I mean we'll come on to the surgery a bit more but they use a tourniquet even if they do different types of blocks don't they so just for like hemostasis yeah. kind of thing so I thoroughly enjoyed reading how they like prepped the foot area for surgery and covered their little claws with finger thingies from the gloves finger yeah whatever you call them fingers <laughs> yeah it was was just really cute I was like what is this they're putting little gloves on feet and then my favorite bit is where they put a clean parlor top down as we could just use real surgical drapes but I enjoy the fact that they appreciate we might not have a surgical drape on us I I love it I think that's adorable um and I want to adapt this and put something on cow's feet I don't know what I'm gonna do but maybe a whole glove maybe I'm not sure but I want to I want my cow to be wearing gloves yeah I think you could either use like my I wear small gloves so I don't know if they'd be big enough but I think you could vet wrap it yeah I was thinking vet wrap but I wasn't sure if that would be as cute it wouldn't be as cute but it would be colorful yes this is Mm. true so there are three different um, surgeries that they describe. You've got bisection of P2, transection of P1, and disarticulation of P3. Now, right off the bat, they get rid of the disarticulation of P3 because it leaves the synovial structures present. So you've got to scrape them off 
and that's obviously going to delay your healing so they just don't recommend that at all so what do you do in your kettle I think mine would come under a bisection of p2 I would say given the angle that I go at but they say in this that that can leave that remaining bit of p2 to effectively die and then you need that to like resorb um and can delay healing as well so be interesting to have a look into that a bit more in cattle and just see whether like the ang- if you change your angle a bit is that how you get the transaction of p1 so the reason why that bone bit dies off is when you're transecting um so bisecting through p2 you need to make sure you leave the nutrient for amen which is where that nutrients obviously go into the bone because otherwise yeah it does die off and that does delay your healing Mm. um to get the transection of p1 you need to use a scalpel to cut through the skin and some of the other soft tissues over that that bone to then be able to get your wire up high enough to get through p1 ah so you have to like cut in between the claws probably to get up a, a higher level before you then start using your wire exactly yes um so yeah in this paper they recommend for small ruminants to transect p1 um there's a few different reasons why so transection of p1 has a shorter healing time but we're looking at i think it says like three to four weeks instead of like five to six weeks it's not massively different but it is quicker um However, when you bisect through P2, you leave those small little ligaments that help stabilize the remaining claw. So that's where, you know, if you're worried about that, you'd maybe go through bisection of P, you'd bisect through P2. Oh, okay. Because like you do see, I mean, it probably wouldn't be the same in sheep and you probably wouldn't advocate a digit amp in this in that situation but you do get those cows that like the tendons and the the ligaments almost go a bit like lax don't they and they're kind of like sunk down in their foot a little bit so maybe in those cows you would be more conscious to do like a bisection of p2 and maybe that translates a bit into the small ruminants as well yeah yeah i suppose they don't have the weight going through them though as as much but maybe that is the massive difference between cattle and sheep is there is just not as much weight going through that singular claw Mm. And yeah, so the authors say transection of P1 is the way to go. Amazing. So yeah, we've gone and cut with our scalpel then. We've gone up to the level that we want to, gone through our P1 with our wire. Now they're saying you flush the site afterwards and then a pressure dressing for the first 36 to 48 hours. And then... They change it every four to seven days. So if you have a competent farmer, you probably don't need to go back out. No. And they keep that on, obviously, like for how many times after? So they change it after two days and they change it after seven days and then they change it again seven days later? Or Yeah, so you're really waiting for that um, granulation bed to uh, kind of come in. You really want to see the, the wound edges contracting. So this would be... Healing by second intention, wouldn't it? Yeah. How long do you keep your cattle ones on for? Until they heal. I've had one where we've had this the issue with the bisection of P2 where our bone devitalized and we had to go back in and dig it out. And we were on like week five or six and it still just wasn't healing. Oh, okay. So I've had it like that. And then I've also had ones where I've gone out once and never seen it again. Yeah. So Okay. One thing I will say about cattle ones, nappies are really good bandaging materials okay 
So like a, like a small, well, not a small, small nappy, but a, a nappy for that first dressing, you bandage it on tight for your pressure dressing, absorbs so much blood. Oh, amazing. Cool. Mm. One thing the paper doesn't say, or I couldn't find it in here, is that whether or not to put blue spray on it. Oh, controversial. I guess because, not, otherwise they'd say. Yeah, because all our wound stuff that we get from like Smalley's Neckwine they do not like blue spray. No. Not wounds. But yet the farm vet inside me wants to cover everything with blue spray. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think what I do. I don't think I put blue spray on my digit amps. I 100% cover mine in blue spray. Or yeah. silver spray. Yeah. Hmm. Everything I do gets covered in some sort of spray. <laughs> well, it probably doesn't do any harm, does it? And then, yeah, they do say antibiotics and pain relief should be given for up to six days post-operatively okay so i my drug of choice is like a long-acting penicillin for all sheep stuff um so they said they're not as quick to heal as in as cattle no so initially the sheep look completely not lame but you've got to remember you've got your ivra in there or your local yeah. mm. so you've got to warn farmers that they will get lamer after you leave because <laughs> their foot will no longer be numb yeah. Um, but yeah, people who've had cattle digit amps and then have a sheep one, they do take longer to heal. That is just, yeah. But they say there's no detectable lameness or there shouldn't be a detectable lameness uh, after three weeks. Okay. And that, so in cattle, the, my general advice would be that you could get like one more lactation out of a cow with um, a digit amp. Not to say that they won't last longer, but generally that's like your safest bet because obviously you're going to have higher risk of something going wrong with that other claw and then you've got nowhere to turn so I normally say like to finish the lactation or get one more sort of year out of them but in this paper they recommend that animals can stay in the flock for a lot longer than that yeah so because sheep are just much lighter animals there's much less pressure going through those feet um so you they've been known to stay in the flock for over four years amazing walking and they're not actively lame it's not a problem yeah um I have seen it in a pet swabble where I did the x-rays for another practice because they didn't have an x-ray machine. Said, yep, we need to do a digit amp. They went away, did the digit amp and the sheep came back six months later for another x-ray. And you do see some signs of arthritis in between those joints. Um, But the sheep was not lame, was walking fine. But yeah, some of your lighter breeds, like some of your, your swales and stuff like that and some of your little hill breeds, they'll be absolutely fine with one claw. Yeah, no, that's good to know. So you don't have to put quite so much of a timestamp on them. Yeah, which I think is really, really good, actually. It makes it much more economically viable for a lot of sheep farmers who are very money conscious. Yeah, which is fair enough. So would you feel super confident to do one of these after reading this paper? You know what? Yeah, I would. I would back myself on this. Yeah. Like... I think if you had the right farm and you know that they were going to be put in like a clean, small stable afterwards and that they were going to get the post-operative care they needed, I'd be pretty happy to give it a good go. Yeah. I think it's good to know from the offset that they don't like heal as well as cattle and but that they could last in the flock for like longer. It's good to like go in with those warnings to the owners or like that information to the owner before you kind of like embark on this procedure but um I'm the same I'd be happy to give it a go as well 
I think the most important thing I've taken from this is how the longevity of the sheep post-op. Yeah. Because if it was only for one year, you'd get out of them. It's not necessarily financially viable for a sheep. No. Um, especially for some farmers. But if you say, actually, this is a young animal, she could have a few more years in her. Yeah. But what happens? And you do have to be careful if we're looking at a tup and it's a back limb. Yeah, probably wouldn't recommend this in a tup, would you, just because of how you know I mean, much work they do they've said they've done it in tops and they're still within the herd oh okay so I don't, but i wouldn't do i'd be a bit worried about doing it on a back limb yeah front limb maybe less weight yeah that's true either way yeah i'd be much more happy doing it on a yow than a top so i think this has actually been a nice easy read i'd like to say very well written very easy to read it's definitely something i now feel confident doing having read it and also, I like the little hints and tips, like putting a clean parlour top down to operate on. So I really yeah. enjoyed that. I love Put that. I love a practical tip like that. So that's, yeah, always good to take away. And to even, like, wrap that other claw. Useful information. For sure. That's this week, done, Kim. What are you thinking we should do next week? I think I'm going to revert back to something calf-focused, maybe something in the realms of how we measure total proteins um, or measure... IgG but I'll leave it at that and I'll surprise you next week oh I'm enticed (laughs) (laughs) amazing have a good week Amy you too bye bye